Hello and welcome back to Central Banking's Tech Talk podcast. I am Rachel King, Associate Editor for Central Banking. Over the past few months, the world has been thrown into disarray as central ranks around the globe combat the economic fallout of the COVID-19 pandemic. Technology has never before been relied upon to ensure the stability and recovery of the global economy to this extent. In Georgia, the National Bank has recently enhanced its focus on fintech and how can technology can help with regulation and supervision. With me today is Otar Gogote, Head of Financial and Supervisory Technology Development at the National Bank. Welcome, Otar. Hello. It is great to be with you, Rachel. Now, I understand the Central Bank has recently created a COVID-19 dashboard, which has been used to help model and forecast how the COVID virus has spread. And I was wondering whether you could tell me a little bit how that works. Well, that's that's quite interesting development on our side. Uh, actually, to start with, so uh, one of the early things that we did before even thinking about developing fintech unit mm-hmm. was to gather uh, fintech-minded people that we had at National Bank of Georgia. So we basically have created internal data science hub. Yeah. Uh, and this helps us to consolidate existing human capital utilize synergies between different departments and in, and increase interaction between like-minded people who, who like, let's say, modeling data science, thinking about different new emerging models like DLT, open APIs, cryptography, big data, and so on. So well, we had this group, which is kind of very vibrant. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it's not just one unit. It is cross-functional, uh, cross-department unit. And it is quite kind of uh, adapt to the different tasks. So one of the one of the things that uh, this group did as pandemic has started uh, was that like uh, it has consolidated uh, people who had data modeling uh, skills yep. and try to develop uh, design analytical tools like to process data that was coming from pandemic and then. It, uh, utilize for our internal decision making. So uh, I actually re- remember that a lot of different models, papers, packages were analyzed and implemented and discarded. And it, it happened in just one week. And this group uh, produced many, many useful models. And one of them we have decided also to make available to, to the pub, uh, public uh, because uh, interest was very high in this kind of uh, analytics, so it is it is open uh, for the public. Uh, in in general, I, I think uh, what we see during this uh, pandemic, so it has changed, like of course, like how we operate and how we view data analytics and fintech sector in general. For example, if before it seemed that uh, fintech. Uh, was kind of uh, something that was built on expensive gadgets and it seemed like luxury good. Now Mm -hmm. it is pretty clear, I think, for everybody that this is essential item. So like, for example, if you are standing during the height of the social distancing in front of a bank branch in the queue for two hours with people in in the masks, so and you are afraid that the spread of the virus, so you you especially think about this. So I think uh, not only ordinary people, but investors and especially regulators now recognize that this sector uh, might have some 
rare counter cyclical properties that was not evident before. And it has many implications for, for investment and also for, uh, for financial sector uh, development, because this could be viewed as, as kind of hedge that you have in your portfolio. So I personally believe that as a result, like all of this, uh, this period, so investment and efforts to promote the sector will only intensify in the future. I definitely agree with you that the pandemic has been a catalyst for the uptake of technology. And I was interested to hear that you said your dashboard and your data modeling of the virus had helped with your decision making. I don't know whether you can tell me, but what, what changes did you make as a result of modeling the virus? Yes, because uh, internally, yes, uh, during this uh, crisis management, so we were analyzing a lot, a lot of data. And one of the inputs like that help us, for example, to, 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 to design uh, like when we could return to the work, yes, some of the uh, inputs we are taking also from this uh, models that we have de developed internally. So okay. in this regard, so it added some, some value. So the model, has, yeah. the model has helped you kind of allocate staffing requirements and tell them what time they can come back into work when it's safest to come back. Yeah, it's, it has definitely helped in this regard. Okay, and you said that the fintech unit to begin with um, was based around the, these data scientists. Now I understand that you formed a, a new fintech unit which was formed last year. And I wanted to understand the motivations behind your central bank forming this unit. Was it because there was a greater need to regulate the fintechs or was it more for deploying technology internally? Yeah, actually our path towards uh, fintech unit was, I think, quite peculiar and, and unique because we had uh, quite unique experience, I think that might be useful also others to look at. Uh, in general, I, I can say that I can say that regulation and, and public policy in Georgia is built on very liberal values. So unless you see a strong case of uh, regulation and you see a kind of negative externality, so uh, usually you usually like uh, you don't regulate the sector. Mm -hmm. And uh, at this time, like before, like uh, onset of the fintech activities, so like we had like traditional banking sector, which, which was uh, very vibrant and developed and, and transparent. So major banks are uh, listed uh, on London Stock Exchange and supervision also has kind of uh, very, very advanced tools, risk based approach and the sector is very, 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 very stable. So, uh, but, but uh, drawback was that like there are some uh, sectors that lay outside of uh, supervisory scope. So there are few financial sectors which we are completely uh, unre unregulated. So what happened uh, there is that because like FinTech has this kind of peculiar kind of um, feature that it can scale up or scale up very rapidly so like uh, what, what we have uh, uh, seen is that like uh, there were some small fintech firms that emerged in these kind of unregulated areas and they uh, acquired customers really really fast 
So they basically grew from too small to care to too large to ignore, like in a couple of months. Right. For example, like suddenly, like uh, basically out of nothing. So Georgia became the uh, second largest cryptocurrency miner in the world after China. Uh, and also, like uh, we had this alternative finance uh, providers, which we are utilizing uh, digital onboarding tools and uh, fintech technologies, which has started to provide uh, loans to the customers. And mostly of these customers were kind of previously unbanked customers, which was good, but because like uh, responsible lending guidelines were not met, so like. These guys became bank, but at the same time, they be, uh, became bankrupt and they went in, in the default, most of them. So this, this, created, very, uh, this created very big problem, like, and it happened very fast. And before scope of regulation was expanded, which required kind of legislative changes, parliament and all this political process, so like uh, uh, so it it became obvious that we we were late so until we started to regulate these sectors so it was basically almost almost too, too late so we could see that all these mod models could develop with a staggering speed and and the regulation could could lag lag behind so uh, so uh, so basically, uh, during this time, we have seen that, yeah, we finally managed to uh, avoid large systemic problems. Uh, it was contained, but it was a quite a lesson for us. And uh, what, what we were thinking that, like, at this time, that we were thinking that for this sector uh, to, to regulate it, we need to have really, really agile regulatory framework frameworks that should be kind of uh, really for, forward looking uh, to respond to this new uh, fintech era and for these new fintech models. So basically, with such experience, it is uh, usually kind of tempting uh, to over overreact and to go to the other extreme also. Uh, so, uh, so we have decided to create a dedicated unit actually to study carefully and analyze this fintech sector, these new emerging models, and possibly to design an optimal approach towards the sector. So it's, it's very high on our agenda, uh, like to find out what is the optimal trade-off between risk and innovation in this new fintech sector. I think a number of central banks are looking to try and find the balance that you are trying to find between innovation and stability. Now you've labeled your approach um, to fintechs as, as open regulation, which I think is probably the right way to go about enticing these firms to engage with the regulator without telling them that they can't operate within the sector. Now, I don't know whether you can shed some light on, on your approach and the engagement that you've had with fintech firms already. Yeah, so that's that's quite a new development on our side also. So uh, what we call, we call open regulation, it, it's basically is a way for the transparent kind of uh, way for the industry to participate in the development of the regulatory framework together with the regulators. So 
that's kind of new new approach for, for us. And we were also looking and studying what other countries we are doing in this regard. So this is kind of combination of the experience and knowledge, what we have learned from other countries and what we have seen uh, on the ground. Because one thing is, is, is clear, like uh, so far that this sector seems like, like ordinary finance sector, but it's, it has very, very different uh, business model. And so one of the biggest mistakes there could be that you, uh, you will not recognize that their business model is quite different and the risk set out there is quite different uh, too. For example, is a traditional banking, you are usually concerned with the credit risk, liquidity, market risk, uh, and so on. Uh, for fintechs, like uh, more weight should be given to cyber risk. And it, it also has different dimensions there because uh, not only you have to regulate this kind of risk because uh, you also have to allow through this framework, efficient use of, let's say, digital onboarding, open APIs, cloud computing, and big data. Also, another, another feature there is that uh, customer protection and market conduct becomes much more important for fintech firms and uh, companies. Uh, but also the nature of this, uh, not only the uh, risks are different, the weight on these risks are different, but approach from a supervisor should be different too. Because uh, not only in general, you have to look on this risk, how to constrain this risk, but you also have to think how to promote some of the uh, fintech, fintech models. For example, good example of this is open banking, sandboxes, innovation, offices. So all these are designed kind of to promote uh, fintech models rather than constrain them. Also, a uh, uh, good example of this approach that, that is, I think, quite uh, different from traditional prudential approach, which could be used for, for banks and other institutions, is that uh, is a, is a notion of the digital, digital bank. Because if you, have, uh, uh, if, you, if you will see across the countries, countries are developing, uh, some countries are developing new framework for licensing digital bank. Uh, where it's, they are kind of encouraging entry on the market of this new kind of business models. And there are specific licensing rules for it. We also uh, are working on this, to be honest, for example, like uh, uh, currently we work on the framework, which will be part of this will be unveiled in the coming weeks, which will kind of entail different approach to modular banking, cloud, cloud computing, also like uh, banking as a service model will be promoted through this framework and, and, and so on. So all this kind of creates for us kind of different environment, how we have to think about uh, the risk. We have to also think about the development of this sector. And that, that's where this approach comes in, like what we call uh, open regulation. Because uh, it's true that uh, financial sector is probably the most regulated sector, yeah, and this creates uh, a lot of uh, issues for regulator and for the industry. Yeah, for regulator, it's that that's that for regulator to be agile, to be forward-looking, to recognize uh, forthcoming risks. So 
you should have a lot of time yeah, to and to adjust your approach. But uh, you are faced with a, with a, with a two trends that you, we can clearly identify. One is kind of technology. So as technology develops, new business models emerge mm -hmm. very rapidly. And another trend that follows this is on the um, regulator side is a, is a development of the regulation. So rule books are becoming bigger, bigger, and complex. For example, one example, like for example, puzzle one was what, like 20, 30, 30 pages. Now, if you go through the uh, other three framework, so it's it's basically almost 2,000 pages. So, <laughs> and this is one piece of reg regulation. So all this complexity, so creates problem for the regulation because there is lower scope to apply, more agile approach and more risk-based approach. And if, if regulator misses something, then it is compensated with more and more regulation. And this is kind of vicious circle. This is bad for us, for regulators, but this also affects industry uh, in adverse way, because more regulation is good for existing models and for existing firms. Uh, for, for new business models, like which was not uh, evident while you develop this regulation. So it can often make this uh, business models unoperational. Uh, and also uh, like new guys who are coming in this financial sector, they are basically afraid of this huge re uh, regulation. So uh, if you're a guy from Garage who has some kind of uh, great ideas that could be used in the financial sector, yeah, you, you cannot process all this information that, that is yeah, even, even regulators have difficulty kind yeah. of to, to analyze this. So, and uh, to break from this, yeah, so there is this opportunity to break up or break from this um, vicious circle. And so uh, this open regulation, what we say is that in case of uh, technology, so let's, let's allow kind of uh, candidates to propose kind of their new way of uh, changing regulation. For example, like uh, for example, like sandboxes and regulatory laboratories are usually part of this, but this could also uh, it could be expanded uh, further. So basically, you can view this kind of new developing framework as, as a kind of uh, legal repository, where yeah. uh, where kind of uh, uh, everybody can work on different part, uh, parts of it. And there is kind of transparent and coordinated process by the super, supervisor, like to update this regulation. And everything is based on the market uh, test. So if somebody proposes some uh, new piece of regulation, so it should be tested. And test is usually done against the systemic risk because that's uh, what is interesting for the, for the regulator. And if it passes this test, so this could be this could uh, contribute to update this repository of, of regulation. So this greatly accelerates the changes in the regulation. So if regulators are always lagging, now there is a chance also kind of to be also forward looking and catch up with the developments that we uh, see on the ground. And this is also friendly to the to the fintech firms who are coming coming up 
with uh, new business models because they have this chance to collaborate with the regulator and understand what is actually regulatory approach. I think engaging them at, at an early stage is, is the right way to go. I mean, I've seen a number of central banks who issue potential new regulation and ask these firms to consult back, but getting them in and actually asking them to help flesh out the regulation to begin with sounds like the right way. And you mentioned sandboxes as a good way for them to test their own products within existing regulation, which I assume will also help you shape regulation going forward if you find that existing rules don't match what the fintech services are trying to provide. Now, there's been a fair bit of criticism around sandboxes and how useful they are, because especially domestic ones where central banks may test new technologies in their own space and find that it adheres to domestic regulation, but internationally, these products may come up against additional roadblocks. Now, I know that the National Bank is part of the international effort for the global sandbox, and I was curious to understand how helpful you found being part of this group and also just sandboxes in general, how useful you think they are. Yeah, that's a very good question because like there are a lot of uh, controversies concer concerning uh, sandbox and regulatory laboratories. Like there are many, for example, like even like hardcore uh, regulators don't li like it because it resembles kind of uh, waivers of forbearance, which is usually uh, is not good for, for traditional uh, supervisor. And also, uh, also there are criticisms that uh, many firms that go through this, so they cannot scale up they, and they, they basically fail. Yeah, but this is, uh, the, uh, I think we should view this, this a, bit, a bit differently because uh, innovation is always risky, okay? So if firms that go through your uh, sandbox, all of them succeed, so it means that uh, these guys, we are, we are not innovating because innovation is very rare. So for, for, many, um, for many tries, so we probably success rate should be very, very low. Otherwise, they are not probably innovators. They are bringing some already kind of uh, established uh, models. So innovation should be risky. So if they fail, then that's normal, yeah, because you only need a few, few successes. Mm -hmm for and because then they, it can have very very large external effects and i think if you look what's going on uh, in the financial area so definitely like innovations are increasing so for example like uh, for for many 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 de decades like uh, only useful probably kind of innovation that was kind of relevant for the uh, for the re retail sector and for white Populations that banks have developed was probably card networks and ATMs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they are of course where this kind of strange structured products that led to worldwide financial crisis in 2008. But mm -hmm. uh, but probably like fintech-like of developments where where this in the last last century. And uh, uh, actually now we see that yes, rate is increasing because like. There are a lot of new products that you, uh, your bank offers, fintech firms offer. So we can definitely say that rate of uh, rate of innovation has has increased. 
So, so I wouldn't be so skeptical about uh, about uh, regulatory sandboxes. And also, we have to view it a bit differently, because this is not we are not testing their uh, fair or business model. Of, co of course, this is true, but we have to view that we are testing regulation, and the result of this test will be update of the regulation. Because if you find that there is some good reason to change regulation, so result result of this. Uh, Sandbox could be changed in the regulation. This firm ultimately might not succeed, but because you updated your regulations, this will be used by the other parties and by the other firms, yes, to to provide better services mm -hmm. uh, to to the public. It's true that one of the bigger biggest problem, uh, not only in sandboxes but probably everywhere in regulation, is is coordination like among uh, different countries yet yeah, because one model that is acceptable in one country might not be acceptable in the another country yeah it usually kind of if you have very slow development this uh, happens because like uh, then then kind of uh, regulators um, re regulators kind of synchronize these regulations and there are also some processes like let's say good examples uh, PIS, so for example, Basel III was developed and then it was kind of adopted by the uh, other countries. But but this obviously takes a lot, a lot of time, many, many years. So uh, when you have fast development on the ground, so this is probably not the not the optimal way to proceed there. So this idea that we have in GFIN is that maybe we should design uh, global. Uh, uh, regulatory sandbox where kind of uh, fintech firm can test their business model in different jurisdictions simultaneously and mm -hmm. then uh, if we are happy and it is successful so uh, all this jurisdiction we, we will be committed to update their regulation and so these regulatory changes will happen much more faster than through this for example like PIS uh, framework and so so that's that's where, where we stand and that's what we hope yeah let's let's see how it will proceed further i think it will help to really kind of level the playing field for these firms and i know there are another a number of other kind of implementations that central banks have been looking into so i know in singapore they've done a lot of work in creating api standards to promote this open banking that you were talking about and I know the National Bank has done something similar um, with regard to APIs. I don't know whether you can expand on your work in that area. Yes, open banking is a big priority for us. Uh, we view it as a, as a cornerstone for the development of the fintech ecosystem. So uh, it is very essential for a fintech, fintech firm to scale up across across. Uh, banks across jurisdictions, it's not easy currently. So we have analyzed uh, a lot of cases of implementation of the, uh, open banking. Uh, many of them were unsuccessful or not very successful. So you also know that, for example, in Europe, PSD2 kind of deadlines, we are, we are kind of prolonged and, and so on. Yes. So, so but, but uh, success differs across countries. So. Actually, one of the issues that we identified was lack of common standards. 
So regulator is usually mandates that there are some deadlines that you have to do this. Uh, but then, because uh, technically there are many ways to do this, so every bank might do it differently. So uh, you might say that, okay, you, you might have that uh, bank has open APIs and FinTech firms integrates with this and it might become attached to this bank permanently because to go to the different bank who has different APIs, different documentation, different rules to, to change everything, it's very costly and uh, and and in many cases uh, probably we, we kind of uh, expensive. So usually like you attach to this bank and then like this bank if you uh, might even buy this uh, and integrate this, this firm. So because of this difficulty, we uh, took as a, as a high priority to have common API standards in the country. We probably, uh, we are taking uh, as, a, as a base benchmark, like European standards, like mm -hmm. also private kind of standards that emerges, for example, Berlin Group standard. But we will be expanding on, on this because we want uh, to achieve uh, not only consistency across domestic banks, but also like if, if it's that would be possible, like it should be consistent or, uh, in different jurisdictions also, like at, at least like for us, uh, target area is currently you. So that's why we also emphasize um, Berlin Group standards. Mm -hmm. And also one of the issues that is that like it is easy to mandate standards. So we might come and we might say that okay, we are a regulator and we say that okay, this documentation, this is uh, API standards, and you do this. But also issue there is that like fintech is too dynamic to impose uh, some kind of standards on, on them. So we also took there like this approach that okay, we mandate the standard, but let industry develop the standard and update standard. Mm -hmm. So, so we it took for from our side a lot of kind of logistics negotiations, but finally we managed that now kind of leading role uh, to develop these standards is taken taken up by the private um, uh, industry. So, currently, uh, Georgian Banking Association is leading development of these standards and. Uh, different parties are participating in this, and these standards uh, will be discussed with fintech firms also. So, by the time, so when we have PSD2 implementation, like fully, yeah, I hope we will have these standards up and ready. And this will cover not only uh, areas which is, let's say, covered by PSD2. Mm -hmm. uh, so, for example, like uh, transactions or, or, or balance. Uh, so it will cover any, any kind of API that bank might open to the, to the fintech company. So right. banks decide in the future to open some API, so standard should be developed there because if another bank decides to open API for this. So, so that's, that's a bit peculiar approach that we are taking towards the standard. So, it should be developed by the uh, industry. Yeah. It will be mandated by us, but at the same time, it should be complete. So it should cover all existing or future APIs that might, might be opened by the banks. 
Of course. And um, I also know that fintech is, is not just for the consumers and the MBG has been embracing technology in a big way. And I understand there's plans to introduce a new instant payment system over the next couple of years. Yes, uh, actually, we, we have already very well developed hard payment system. Yeah. So Georgia is one of the leaders, for example, in by the penetration of NFC technology and this infrastructure is implemented widely in Georgia mm -hmm. and it is growing constantly. And we also uh, have like uh, tourism sector, which which benefits from, from this. Yeah, so, so it's 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 very, uh, very well developed. Uh, I think we were the second, second after Australia, like uh, by, by NFC infrastructure, which yeah. allowed these contactless payments to be taken up by the industry very rapidly. But also we want to complement this with the further developments because we have, uh, we have decided that there is a need to enhance infrastructure further and facilitate also non-card payments and implement instant payment project. This will have, uh, I believe, positive impact, especially on small and micro transactions and improve access to finance even, even further. This is also an opportunity for us to, to, to design infrastructure from ground up, mm -hmm. which will be also kind of tailored to this new FinTech uh, models. Yes. Uh, so, so we had we we had worked very hard on this project, and uh, we believe that uh, this piece of the infrastructure infrastructure could become backbone for for a lot of new fintech business models in the future. So, like to make it possible, we uh, to make it transparent, we have extensive consultation consultations with the industry, and also with IFIs and and. World Bank and other other donors who are helping mm -hmm. in this. So, so uh, also one one peculiar thing that we kind of uh, are trying to embed in this project because we believe that this should proceed together with, with uh, open banking and open APIs. Yes. Uh, so, so that system is is designed from ground up in such a way that there will be high degree of integration between these these two so this open apis will be highly consistent between the, these two so so we, we are proceeding in this project very rapidly hopefully we will make some public announcements in the coming months uh, around this yeah but we definitely view this to be as one of the important uh, projects that might help fintech developments further in georgia no, we'll be definitely watching to see how it um, comes to life over the next couple of months. Uh, that's actually all we've got time for today. So thank you, Otto, for coming to speak to me. Um, it's been very insightful, and I'm sure our audience will be interested to learn about your approach to fintechs, especially around the regulatory side. I'm not sure there is a central bank that engages in the same way as you. So thank you so much for coming and speaking to me. It is my pleasure. Thank you. We'll be back on air soon with another episode of Tech Talk. Goodbye. <laughs>